0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Once Bitten Podcast. And joining me on this episode is Douglas Backham, the CEO and co-founder of Shift Crypto. You must know who they are by now. Regular listeners of the show know that the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin-only hardware wallet is produced by Shift Crypto and is the brainchild or, or part thereof. Um, you know, it's a team effort, as Douglas would, of course, attest. Uh, but this is the reason he got into the space to, to build tools for plebs to be able to interact with Bitcoin in uh, like the, the, the safest manner possible and the, the friendliest manner possible. And that's why they created the, uh, the Bitbox 02 hardware wallet. Definitely check it out. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bits and save yourself 5%. In this app, we do a deep dive on air gap technology. These guys, they wrote a blog about this and uh, received some feedback, some good, some bad. But they did the research and they just wanted to publish their research and share it with the community. Now, is it better? Is it worse? Who knows until you listen to this episode. Will they ever make an air-gapped wallet? It is all here, unpackaged, before your ears. So enjoy the show. But I've got to shill the other show sponsors, of course, SwampBitcoin.com forward slash Bitten. You can start stacking in the US. That will get you a free 10 bucks. Across Europe, you can start using Relay, another Swiss company, Relay.ch forward slash Bitten. Keep an ear out for Bitcoin Reserve. There's going to be some news coming your way soon. And if you want to get across to the conference in Miami, you can use bitten at checkout to save yourself a 10 percent discount on all of your tickets from general admission up to the whale pass and you have a full refund on those if you're unable to travel due to covid and if you're in the uk or across europe use the exchange coincorner.com because you can set up auto buys and do smash buys here's douglas all right as you heard douglas recording is in progress great (laughs) to see you again
1: Great to see you again, also.
0: Uh, thank you for giving up the time. And Lauren is here to ask her, uh, Her, she, you're standing on hot coals. Have you been saying the word around and around? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> All right, this is a technical question for Lauren. She's been practicing. Right, OK, okay. go for it. Uh, so yeah, what is air gap?
1: What is air gap? Great question. Um, so <clears throat> that's the topic of this show, so a very pertinent question also. Um, air gap. Traditionally has meant um, when you physically isolate um, something like a computer uh, from any uh, network devices, like a Wi-Fi, um, cellular phone, uh, things like that, uh, it, any internet connection, basically. Yeah, I guess um, and. That's basically what AirGap means. And then what we're talking about here is hardware wallets uh, to secure cryptocurrencies, secure Bitcoin. Um, And AirGap has come to be used in the hardware wallet field also, where it refers to isolating. um, So hardware wallets, uh, of course, are just separate devices that hold and lock in uh, private keys, so the keys to uh, move Bitcoin. and air gap refers to um, isolating these devices from a computer or a mobile phone and isolating in the sense of not using a wired connection. Um, and so that's that's kind of how a very high level of what air gap uh, means, both in general and with respect to hardware wallets. Does that make any sense? Yet? I don't know
0: if you kind of i'm trying to think of i'm trying to think of a 10 year old example um would yeah. but like a wireless mouse would that kind of, is there any kind of uh, tie in there that might be used as an example but that's using bluetooth uh, like how, how would a wireless mouse yeah. work with, with air gapped technology i guess
1: oh boy uh... <laughs> okay that's not easy <laughs> yeah so, it's and a so i think thing to try
0: and it's,
1: it's a complicated thing. Uh, and part of um, uh, the reason we're talking today is to explain some of these complications, how uh, the perception of air gap may not actually be uh, be real. Because uh, with a mouse, you know, you can have a wired into your computer through a USB cable, um, or there cannot be a USB cable. And so there's an air gap there, right? Because uh, communication needs to go through the air. Uh, but the point is that communication is still happening, um, and then the question then is: Okay, if uh, is is there some kind of difference then in the form of communication uh, that can improve uh, security or not? Uh, and so air gap traditionally has been designed to, or the original thought was that uh, just disconnect your computer from. The external world, so no network interfaces, um, and then that means uh, uh, very obviously that anyone uh, trying to attack um, your computer uh, can't attack through the web, through the web or um, cell phone da- cellular phone data or or things like that. Um, but the problem is, if you actually want to use one of these computers or use one of these mice, uh, computer mouse. Um, communication still has to happen in some way um, yeah and then I guess for are getting into the the topic of the the call <laughs>
0: yeah exactly which um we will get deeper into I might release Lauren at this point though do you have yeah. any other questions yeah. about air gap technology no, no? okay <laughs> <laughs> well you you're further down the the line of uh, of understanding what that is and, uh, you know, who knows what products might come out in your future that might tout to have these um, kind of capabilities and whether or not they're going to be useful for you. Mm. Long road ahead. Are you going to go <laughs> get some breakfast? Yes. Okay. No. All right. Okay.
1: Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to getting into this one, mate. Because yeah,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll need a second chance to explain it like yeah, it's like yeah, you're
0: a of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course that's always <clears throat> that's that's always the uh, the main feedback about the show is that they love the guests how they try and explain a topic to a 10 year old uh, because yep. it, it, it helps helps us as adults try and align some dots i suppose because it is such a, a big complicated topic and of course the hubris and ego baked into us never wants to ask yeah. What do you mean by that? I just, yeah, you tell me. I get it. I get it, hundred percent. Yeah, no problem. Fine. We can move on with life, right? And you walk away from the conversation like, the hell was he talking about? I have no <laughs> idea. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read something actually from your blog. So this, this stems yeah. from the blog post that you guys put together. Uh, did you get any backlash over this yet? What's been the, the response so far?
1: Um, uh, yeah, we've had some people um, give feedback. Um, I would say it's been pretty mild overall. Um, some, some maybe a little bit less mild. Um, but in general, um, yeah. So the point of the blog was, yeah, we looked at air gap uh, security, um, and we concluded that it doesn't really add much. Essentially, doesn't add much security compared to a non-air gap mode. And specifically, that means like plugging in a device through your USB port uh, versus an air gap. Uh, the examples are that exist in the field in the market right now are through QR codes. So just communicating by taking pictures of QR codes or um, using a micro SD card. So transferring data, plug a micro SD card into the hardware wallet, unplug it, plug it into the computer and transfer data that way.
0: Right. Let's, so l- let's try and unpack everything as, as slowly as possible so people can like yeah. <laughs> let's start with it let's start with the traditional hardware wallet and like, yeah, like one of the first paragraphs uh in the blog was this article challenges the current conventional thought in the field and so we understand it may be taken as a controversial viewpoint we are happy to hear yeah. differing viewpoints and we'll continue to explore the topic ourselves in the future like that that's a key part to this whole thing right this isn't yep. shift crypto coming out saying our hardware wallet is far better than anybody else's. And, you know, you should just listen to us. This is an exercise in making all of the options out there available to us uh, more understood and, you know, kind of a community push to, is this a better technology? Is it not? This is what we have found.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm happy you said that. So definitely we want to, the, the goal of this is uh, also in part to have a conversation because uh, in general, we're, we want to make the best product for our customers. Uh, and so if we're missing something, we're very happy to learn about that. Uh, and so, um, e- yeah.
0: Yeah. And this, uh, again, like the next sentence, so you, this, this perfectly leads into it. Since we launched the Bitbox O2, we hear requests to support air gap operation. So this is mm-hmm. something that has been driven by customer feedback that have pushed you guys into doing uh, this research on their behalf.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I should also note um, one, one other thing. Uh, some people, when they read the article, um, they misinterpreted that we th- we're saying that non-air gap like a USB traditional hardware wallet is superior in security, uh, but that's, that's not our goal at all. More, or not our conclusion at all. Um, more, our conclusion is that we didn't see Uh, a significant difference uh, between uh, traditional USB-based hardware wallets and AirGap hardware wallets in terms of security.
0: Right, okay. So nobody needs to go getting triggered uh, about this. This isn't an attack on one other uh, form of security over a different one. Uh, Let's let's start then with, um, for those uh, newer to the field might be wondering what the hell we're talking about. If we start with like um, how traditional kind of hardware wallets started, that's like a little USB key that, um, well, why don't I'll, I'll pass over to the, uh, the expert. <laughs> explain what it does, how it um, generates private keys, and how you would um, traditionally just plug that in using a USB cable.
1: Yep. So now, now I feel pressured trying to explain everything <laughs> to a 10-year-old. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's see how I do. Um, yeah, so hardware wallets, um, they came out, I guess, maybe five, six years ago. Uh, only. Uh, Prior to that, people are using software wallets. Uh, And so if you want to transact with Bitcoin, you need to have a private key, and the key is basically um, the key to unlock your coins. Uh, Wallet is a bit of a a misnomer, actually, in the sense that uh, you don't actually have coins inside of your software wallet or your hardware wallet. The coins are stored on the blockchain. So the blockchain tells you which, which address has it. And your wallet just has the set of keys to unlock them in order to move them. And so these private keys then, of course, are very important. You don't want to lose them. You don't want some malware to take them. Uh, And that's why hardware wallets were invented, uh, in order to take the private key off of your computer, off of your mobile phone, and put it into a dedicated uh, security device. Um, And so the first ones were USB sticks. a lot of people, when they see them, they think, oh, it just looks like flash memory, but they're more complicated than that. They're actually miniature computers uh, with a single purpose in order to keep your keys safe. Uh, and we, hardware wallet companies like to talk a lot about security and how, okay, you can improve this, you can prove that. Uh, but it's important to note that hardware wallets themselves are widely considered to be the most uh, secure uh, form of holding your own keys. And that's because they're locked in the device itself. And how how they work is, since they're basically a miniature computer, um, you don't want these keys to ever touch uh, a computer or mobile phone. So they have to be generated inside of the device itself, generated inside the device also. Uh, And different hardware wallet manufacturers will use different uh, ways to do that. But in general, you combine a lot of different sources of randomness uh, and make make the private key. Private key is just a random number. Um, yeah, another uh, misconception is okay. Uh, if yeah, how 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 easy is it? It's just a random number. Maybe by chance, someone else will also create my same wallet. Uh, but if you look at the the space of possible options, uh, I believe there's more different types of Bitcoin keys possible than atoms in the universe. Uh, yeah. And so basically it's infeasible, computationally infeasible to um, if if you have good randomness, that's that's key, then it's computationally infeasible to uh, create two different, two different people to create the same private key.
0: Right. And then just to that next step, if someone's setting up one of these wallets for the first mm-hmm. time, that that private key gets represented in a list of words.
1: Yes, um, it can be represented in different ways. Uh, the most common way right now, the standard, is in a list of words called the mnemonic word list. It's either twelve or twenty-four words, um, and with that, uh, it's it's just a, it's the same thing as a random number, but just represented in a way that's easier for people to copy, uh, easier for people to memorize. If if they want to try to memorize it, I don't recommend that. I recommend writing it down on a piece of paper. Um, Don't don't overestimate your own memory. (laughs) Um, And what we also do, we we give this option also. But by default, uh, our device, the BitBox, um, uh, saves it onto uh, a micro SD card. And so the micro SD card is not used for uh, communication at all. It's only used for backups. And so the idea is uh, you set up the device. um, You get a backup on the SD card. You can optionally write down the words and then store those somewhere very securely. And the first, um, to get back to your question, the first uh, hardware wallets were all USB-based. So Ledger came out, Trezor came out, we came out. Um, I think Ledger and Trezor maybe 2014, 2015. We came out in 2015, uh, 2016. And um, yeah, the way to do it then was just plug it into your computer. What's and going then- on
0: at that point? What Like the device, um, you've set it up, like you said, that it's a mini computer. So it's done everything within the wallet yeah. yeah again this, this word wallet is so um what would you call it if you weren't calling it a wallet what what would you call it like did...
1: I think keychain fits right. um, so kind of like you have keys to your car keys yeah. to your apartment on a keychain a key ring um,
0: yeah
1: inside of your pocket or your purse um I think that that fits a lot better but I mean yeah people know it as a wallet.
0: Um, right okay so that's <laughs> some to momentum keep, to keep yeah it, it, it's yeah there's no going back from that now it's uh it's past the shelling point it's um the wallet does this computation within the device itself on the chip that is in there it uh has uh, has made the keys it's given you the words um you've, you've written down your backup and then you plug it in what information is going on at that point down the down the wire so to speak from mm-hmm. from the, the your, your wallet into the computer and into the rest of the world and the interwebs
1: yeah um so the main information uh, so first of all in order to interact with the blockchain um you need some kind of device that is connected to the network or some kind of app that's connected to the network And so every hardware wallet will have a partner app um, that's on your computer, on your mobile phone. Um, Because the security is in the hardware wallet, you don't have to worry too much about, uh, the the idea is that you don't have to worry too much about the app itself. Um, uh, It can be assumed compromised. uh, And then the hardware wallet will provide you the security. But anyways, in order to know how many coins you have, for example, you need to know the addresses that you have. And these addresses are derived from the private keys. Uh, and they're, pu- they're called public keys. Uh, and so they can be shared publicly. Um, there's no security issue there, just a privacy issue. Uh, people knowing which, which accounts you have. And the app itself will basically just ask the blockchain um, how many coins are on these addresses. And so the first information that's needed is uh, a list of addresses to the app for the app to ask the blockchain how many coins you have. And then now you know how many coins you have. Uh, and then the next step, say um, you want to receive, say you have no coins, you want to receive some. Well, you have the address and then you can use that to receive some coins. Um, let's say you want to send coins later. Um, then sending um is the the key part that needs to be secure, right? So this is where the hardware wallet security comes in and sending, I often explain it like a contract or in the United States, I think people still use checks, um, bank checks. Uh, And so you just write a contract saying, I want to send so many coins, so many Sats, over to this person who has this address. Uh, And it's not official yet until you sign it. And so normal contracts, you sign with your hand, with a pen, Uh, Bitcoin contracts, you sign with this private key. Um, So the private key is what you use to make a signature, a digital signature. And so the app needs to send this back over the wire to the hardware wallet. And inside the hardware wallet, um, the hardware wallet will do some sanity checks, uh, make sure everything will work out. uh, And very crucially, it will display what it's doing on its own screen. And so this is why you don't need to trust uh, the app itself. You need to verify what you think you're doing is what's really happening by looking at the hardware wallet screen and pushing a button to say confirm. And once you confirm it, um, the digital signature is added, the private key stays in the device, but the signature pops back out over the wire. And now, um, due to the magic of cryptography, you can't alter that. Uh, it's all secure. It's, uh, um, And the app will send that back to the blockchain and then the coins will move. Um, and so that's really, I, I mean, there's a lot of other um, side mm-hmm. functions that you can add to a hardware wallet, but that's really it. So generate the keys, uh, receive some coins on an address uh, and set, spend coins.
0: Right, okay. So now um, the... The question is, then, if that's all working fine, uh, we, we, we've we've got this other option of, of doing the air gap. So the, the, the idea to me is my basic understanding. You want to uh, cut out that wire between the device and your computer, between the hardware wallet and the computer, because there might be a malicious attack coming back through up the wire into the device to try and look for your private keys and extract them.
1: For example, yes.
0: Are there other attack kind of vectors on 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 that, or was that the main thing that the air gap uh, technology was trying to solve?
1: Um, <laughs> you might need to have an air gap hardware wallet manufacturer on to answer that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers. Uh, but here it comes in that if you're sending information through a wire, um, if you're using an air gap device, how it still needs this information. All of these basic information has to go from the hardware wallet to the app and back. There has to be this communication, uh, and so that means um, sure there. You don't have a USB wire, but there's still communication going on. Um, and so, if you can um, manipulate this communication in a malicious way, um, you can have an attack on both air gap and non air gap hardware wallets. Uh, and so, why did air gap get so popular? Um, yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a, a mystery to me. Um, I guess it has to do with um, the historical use of the word air gap uh, in the sense of, then um, yeah, in, in the security fields, um, just this concept of air gap add security it exists. Um, and so maybe just saying, oh, if air gap adds security, let's make harder wallets air gap. Uh, but of course thing, things aren't black and white, right? Um, And so it really depends on the use case and and what's going on. And if you still have some kind of communication, that communication can still be compromised. And so um, in the article, we actually looked at the last uh, two years of vulnerabilities. We we looked more, but we listed the last two years of vulnerabilities um, that have been published. There's about 12 of them. Uh, And what we found was there's, I guess, two main classes of vulnerabilities. One is a physical attack, uh, where someone needs possession of your advice, and they... um, you know, uh, dig into it, uh, put wires on it, and, and try to extract um, secrets that way. Of course, air uh, gap doesn't matter uh, in that sense. Um, and the other is uh, what we call logical attacks. Uh, and so, looking at some kind of um, error in logic, for example, how um, how information is passed. Um, and all of those vulnerabilities that we found published, um, it didn't matter if you had air gap or not. Uh, they would still apply. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was the main the main premise of the article that we wrote, that, um, yeah, we, we looked uh, all the published vulnerabilities that exist. Um, they apply for air gap or non-air gap. And it's because um, this communication is still going on.
0: And how does that communication occur then? Because with the traditional one that we talked about before, it's very simple for me to join the dots. It's like, yeah, I've got my thing plugged into the laptop. So, of course, it's easy for a message to come straight down through the internet and uh, up the wire and into my device. How would that work without the wire?
1: So so if... You have communicate if there's a USB plugged in. Of course, there's communication. Um, but it's one important thing to note is that hardware wallets are designed uh, with the assumption that your computer or your mobile phone is compromised. Um, and so, a compromised app or uh, a second app that you downloaded that can interface um, with the device. Um, or manipulate uh, the app you're using um, can basically uh, create malicious payloads, malicious data, um, and then for like a QR code reader, um, it can just change the data in the QR code um, to to whatever else uh, whatever malicious attack uh, they're trying to do. Um, micro SD cards, for example. Uh, I think are a, a bit even more vulnerable in the sense that any app on your device can uh, access a, a storage, um, file storage on your system. Any any downloaded app, uh, and so any app can basically write write data to it. Um, and if you have a malicious app, it's going to of course try to uh, steal your funds in in some way. Um, and so. Yeah, I'm not sure if I answered your question.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. trying to think how how the, the communication happens between an air-gapped wallet with like the the app or in, what's being used there, that the, the, there's QR codes or? I see,
1: yeah. Yeah, so QR codes uh, is a common one. So again, there's two, two main um, ways to do it. One is QR codes. So you take a picture of QR codes. QR codes are just uh, data encoded into an image.
0: So that, oh. that QR code itself could be malicious or Definitely. the, uh, the, the QR code reader that you've downloaded and installed on your phone could also be malicious. There, there's, there's two points of possible failure there or not.
1: Yeah. And so I think, um, yeah, I mean, if the app is malicious, then the app is probably going to lie to you about, uh, for example, um, where to send coins. Say you want to send coins to your friend at this address. The app will show you, like in in human readable way, that, okay, yeah, it's actually going to go to your friend. Uh, But then the QR code could just switch the address, uh, for example. Um, Of course, you should be able to detect that on the hardware itself by looking to see what address is being sent.
0: Okay, and then so, the- but
1: I, I guess I guess maybe it's easier to um, give more concrete examples. Um, so, you one is of course leaking um, private keys, um, but another example um, that came out is uh, uh, what we call ransom attacks, where the app will, uh, like, let's say you're receiving coins, the app can. Um, basically say, okay, don't put coins on this address, but put coins on this other address. Um, And when you make an address, there's these things called key paths and there's different key paths for different coins, which is just a string of like take a right at the street, take a left at the street and so on and so on. Um, But given the amount of addresses are so immense, um, you can basically hide coins received on some a random key path, um, basically you don't have a map for how to go back to that address uh, and then lock you out. And so only the app or the attacker knows where they are. And so you, you still actually have the coins but you can't access them without help from the attacker. Um, and so that's, um, yeah, I guess that's another example.
0: So what's what's interesting here is you you, you come at this, like you say, you come at this, when you're building these things, and this goes for anybody uh, in the field, you come at this, like, uh, assuming the app has been compromised. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that's always the kind of the, the, the heart in mouth moment, I guess, for, for people when they're, when they're making uh, these transactions, uh, when, when they download that app, you never know has this had any kind of interference at any stage? Have I downloaded it from the, the exact right page or has somebody layered over that? And, and then, I mean, th- there's been examples of this in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how can people be sure, or is there no way at all of being sure that you're, you're downloading the, the right app to even begin with? <clears throat>
1: um, yeah, so I guess it depends on, on the vendor and how, how they handle that. So um, like in in our case, our apps uh, are digitally signed. Um, And so when you download it, you can uh, verify that um, uh, they actually come from us. Uh, Of course, that's a bit more uh, technical. Um, And so when you download an app, um, their signatures, there's also hashes. Hashes is basically um, take the whole program run it through what's called a hash function, it spits out um, um, a number, um, uh, a random number, and then uh, what you should do is uh, verify that, uh, it's called a checksum, uh, verify that this checksum equals what is published by the vendor, and then you should be pretty confident that the app you downloaded is genuine, uh, and typically, you should, the checksum should be on a different website than the one you downloaded the app from. Because of course, if you're, visit a malicious uh, uh, website where they're downloading a malicious app, then of course they're gonna change the checksum to match the malicious app. And so um, download the app from the official page uh, and then most vendors will have um, the checksum also listed on a different page, for example, in a in a GitHub repository, or things like that. Of course, this is um, I, w- I would say it's not the simplest way to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but the the for the the people uh, really really um, yeah I guess paranoid about security the, this is the option.
0: Right. Okay. But um, like you say, you, you've you've already designed them with that in mind that the app has been compromised so there's something going on in the device that you guys have put in there and probably lots of other the uh, um, uh, vendors out there can you explain that to people like what what you mean by uh, having that well what does the BitBox do let's talk about you know what extra layers of security you've put in so people can feel safer about using it
1: yeah so um we always say trust what's on the hardware wallet itself uh, and so you have these, um, these three key functions that hardware wallets are doing. One is generating the keys. That's all on the device, so it's, it's okay. Uh, and then you want to receive coins on an address and you want to send coins to a different address. And so re- starting with receiving coins, so the app will display uh, an address. The app will display it in two different formats. One is a QR code, one is just a, a text screen. Um, And that's what you give to people, that's your account. That's where people are gonna send you coins. Um, And the security there is, this uh, address will also be displayed on the hardware wallet screen itself. And so you always need to verify uh, on the hardware wallet itself that this really is the address. Um, And what we do is basically, we don't show you the address on the screen until we don't show you the address on the app until you actually look at the address on the hardware wallet screen itself and you have to physically push a button. And so uh, we try to enforce this uh, best security practice. Um, And then of course, if you send the address somewhere else, um, if you're sending it to a friend, it's always good to um, check in a second channel that what they receive is also uh, matching. Um, the address you, you think you sent them. Because there could be um, a man in the middle um, in the communication channel between uh, you and your friend. Uh, and so that's for receiving coins. For sending coins, um, yeah, it's, a, it's basically the same concept. Um, you'll get an address from your friend or an exchange or wherever. and. Uh, the number of coins you want to send and this information will be displayed on the hardware wallet screen also. And so in order to send a transaction, you have to physically look at the this information, you have to physically push a button, uh, say yes, I confirm that this is uh, where I want to send things. And, and then similarly, um, it's good practice to check Uh, through two different channels that the address that your friend sent you uh, actually is um, uh, their address. Uh, And so um, let's say they send it through an email or they send it through uh, in a different way through some kind of encrypted chat, Um, then you can double check.
0: Cool. You got don't trust verify in there perfectly. Don't trust (laughs) the app, verify on the wallet. Yeah, exactly. Listeners, that's That's nice. (laughs) That's that's a very very key excuse the pun thing to uh, thing to do. Uh, So after your deep dive then into the air gap, uh, what what is the conclusion within Shift Crypto on whether or not you're going to release an air gapped wallet? Is this something that you've decided in house yet, or still ongoing uh, kind of um, discussions? Open yeah. source discussions, taking feedback. What, what, where are you guys at right now? What's the um, yeah. what's the next step?
1: Uh, we're still taking feedback. There's no, no decisions made. Um, and I would say that um, in, in our conclusion, since we didn't really see a significant difference in security for air gap versus non-air gap, uh, to us, uh, the decision on whether or not to do air gap is a bit more so based off of uh, the user experience, uh, the UX, uh, and things like that. Um, and I, I, sh- I should note that um, when we first made the BitBox O2, so we had a BitBox O1 a while ago. The BitBox O2 is I think, about two years old now. Uh, when we first made it, we went through these exact uh, thoughts, this exact research also then. And so we decided then that, yeah, AirGap didn't make too much sense from a security point of view. And in our opinion, uh, I think it's up up to different people to agree or not, but we felt that the air gap uh, procedure um, degraded the user experience in the sense that it required more steps, required a bit more cognitive load to understand what's going on. Um, More steps, of course, more cognitive load uh, for doing different things. And we felt that it'd be a lot simpler Uh, without sacrificing security to do a wired connection. Uh, And so with a wired connection, you can put a lot of um, uh, communication under the hood so the user doesn't have to uh, worry about it. And you can do things just a a lot simpler uh, in that sense. You can have a lot easier or a lot smoother integration between the app itself uh, and the hardware. Um, And so that's what we decided then. now, that said, um, uh, there are probably some uh, advantages to using uh, QR codes. Uh, I think SD is just way, way too difficult, um, too complicated. But QR codes are can be interesting in some ways, in particular for uh, integrating with third party wallets. Um, and so. The issue with uh, USB is, especially um, if you have a web wallet application, um, some browsers allow USB communication, some don't. Some browsers allow it in a certain way, others don't. This is always kind of changing. So it's a little bit of a maintenance uh, burden. Uh, It's a maintenance burden to kind of keep that up to date. Whereas QR codes, you can bypass that completely. And so then you can have, I believe some people are working on standards for uh, QR code communication, where then um, you can basically set it up and then you can integrate with any third-party wallet, uh, which I think that's that's a really good thing. I think um, uh, there's a lot of great third-party wallets out there. Our opinion was um, like we our focus is of course in security, but we also think it's equally important to make something usable uh, as easily usable as possible. And so we're really targeting um, the non-technical market. So we really want our device to be as simple as possible that non-technical people can can use it, can get involved in the space easily. We really want to, I guess, empower people to be uh, part of this space, equip them with the tools that they can use to do that easily. Um, And for us, we thought uh, a seamless integration between the app and the hardware wallet made the most sense. So now into the future. yeah, may, maybe we make uh, some kind of um, uh, air gap function. Uh, it's still open. Um, I would say the third party integrations is quite an attractive use case. Um, I think that's maybe not so, so much for the non-technical people but maybe the more technical people out there uh, get some advanced features um, with some of the third party wallets that are out there. Um, and then another big thing is uh, iPhones. So, a lot of people have iPhones, um, but Apple basically locks down the USB port to them. Um, They basically charge a toll if you want to connect a device, and there's a huge uh, complicated process in order to get approved for that. Uh, But QR codes bypass that. So, all phones have a QR code scanner, they all have a screen. Uh, And so, QR codes is a way to get hardware wallets working a lot more seamlessly on iPhone. Uh, and so that that could be a valid reason for us to explore it, also. Uh, but at the moment, we're still uh, looking for feedback, um, still exploring a little bit, doing some UX testing, uh, and so on. And um, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I did have a question about like, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're running a business, right? You, you, if yeah. you, you, you do have a product to sell, and that product has to make a product a uh, profit for you guys to then um you know capitalize on that uh that profit yeah. with research and design and stay relevant in the space and and offer the um the, the the best tools for those people that are coming into the space and you know if you look at the addressable market right now it's plug and play hardware wallets because that's who's coming into the market right mm-hmm. as we as we hit this bull run and once this thing really starts taking off like we all believe it will we all know with that comes a hell of a lot of FOMO and we all know with that comes a hell of a lot of extra retail and um, a certain percentage of those people are going to want just that, that quick kind of uh, method of, of just plugging it in and, and off we go. They're, they're not in the mindset of what the hell is gap and whatever else. Those yeah. people that have been in the space for a while and the people that are pushing you, you know, when's gap coming, when's gap coming? <clears throat> Excuse me. I imagine is a lot fewer people, uh, which from a business standpoint, like anybody can join those two dots, you know, straight away, there might be a time further down the line where the market is screaming at you, you guys have to make this. Then I think that's probably another level of decision-making.
1: Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's hard to say exactly, um, what numbers are where in terms of this, but um, that's kind of our operating uh, hypothesis right now is that um, the the new market coming in is not going to be as technical as the past market or the market even before them, uh, where really you know a lot of the early adopters are very hardcore uh, technical uh, people, uh, and so. They There's a higher threshold for, for those types of people to um, uh, deal with, I guess, some technological friction in terms of getting it just right for, for what they need. So having a lot of uh, expert features, uh, for example, a lot of high control over every single thing that's going on. Um, and so yeah, it's, we do. You know, and these types of people are also in our company. <laughs> and so we, we do have uh, an internal uh, push to, you know, uh, add advanced features and, and we do. Um, uh, but we hide these uh, in the expert settings and panel. Um, but really, um, like my, my goal when I started the company was really more so about, um, you know, like I said before, empowering people. Uh, and so, I don't think you need to be a technical person to get involved in this space. I don't think you need to understand all of the core details of uh, mining and um, you know, nodes and, and stuff like that in order to to get in the space. You shouldn't have to. Uh, and so, what we really want to do is um, make security easy. You know, in there, there's another um, common saying where. Um, uh, there's a trade-off between security and simplicity. Um, I don't believe that. And I think the job of a hardware wallet manufacturer is exactly uh, the opposite to make security easy. Uh, and so that's what um, I personally really want to do. And I think a lot of people in our, our company also, we want to really uh, enable uh, future generations to, to do Bitcoin right. Um, you know, hold your own keys um, and do it in as a safe and as easy way as possible.
0: Yeah, you mentioned nodes there. There's a lot of people now talking about nodes, which is great to see. They're, you know The existing people that have been in the space for, a... actually, that's a lie. Because one guy in particular, he, he had a node up and running within like, I don't know, six to eight weeks or something of coming into Bitcoin, buying his first Bitcoin mm. and downloading the bloody blockchain in his uh military-style-grade mobile vehicle that he had traveled around the world with his family and I hope you're listening, Nathan. That was an amazing effort. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, people are coming in and they're they're, they're moving very quickly to to get on board, uh, especially with the node right now. How does the Bitbox... Explain to people how and why it's important to connect the Bitbox or hardware wallet to the node that you've got running, and you know, downloaded the uh, the initial uh, blockchain download.
1: Yeah, But um, I, I think the main uh, issue there, personally, for individuals, is uh, privacy. Um, and so, hardware wallets they solve a security issue, uh, but they do not solve a privacy issue. Um, a lot of people don't don't realize that. Um, And by what I mean is uh, er earlier in this talk, we're talking about kind of how some of the basics of um, uh, Bitcoin and wallets and keys and stuff. And so your coins are recorded on the public ledger. So on the blockchain itself, anyone can go and look at the ledger and say, oh, this address has this many coins. And so if you want to have privacy, if you don't want people to know how many coins you have, then um, you need to not tell people what your addresses are. Uh, and so in order to um, use a hardware wallet, you need to uh, have the app, the companion app, go and probe the blockchain, uh, what addresses you have. And so if this companion app is made by a third party, um, that third party basically has access to um, your financial history, and they, they know which coins you're using. If you If that app is talking to a public node, um, that node uh, knows your whole financial history. Um, and so the solution to this, r- which the Bitbox offered, offers, is you can um, create your own node, and you can connect the Bitbox app to your own node. Uh, and so in that way, um, no one except yourself knows uh, how many coins you have and your node is the interface to the blockchain and so you'll send um hey i have this address hey my node tell me how many coins are on that because your, your node is a, a copy of the blockchain uh, and so doing that then um you have full privacy over your own uh, uh, financial record and you don't need to trust any third party to tell you uh, how many coins you have and you don't have to sacrifice your privacy to that third party
0: and Bitbox is interactive with all nodes out there? What, what are you um, able to connect to these days?
1: Oh, um, yeah, I, I'm actually not sure, but all of the main ones for sure.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's listed on our website if people are interested.
0: And it's a simple setup. I, I'm trying to remember... I did it a while ago, so I can't remember the exact steps. If somebody wanted to go on and now check it, what's the first thing they've got to do? Where do they have to open? And they've got to be yeah. uh, I think they have to have a, a Tor page up and running um, to even interact with the app in the first place, if I remember rightly as well.
1: Um, we do have Tor as an option, but it's not required. OK. Um, and of course, the first step is to get your node up and running. Once you have that, um, there should be uh, an address for your node. And it's very simple. You just go into the expert settings of the BitBox app. Um, there'll be a section for Node. And you just type in type in your Node address.
0: That's simple. Copy, mm-hmm. paste, drop it in. I must have done some extra steps then. I can't <laughs> remember. I was on the line with Joe for ages, I think, trying to figure it out. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think um, sometimes there can be some complications if you're using Tor or if you're using... Um, yeah,
0: I, if think, you're using I think that was my complication thinking back. I think, yeah. Uh, or I might have been trying to set it up on the app page on the node rather than just copy pasting the address straight across into the expert settings Could of the be. app yeah. uh, but uh, oh man well that's very easy there's, there's no reason people uh, shouldn't <laughs> be doing that so if you're sitting there with a bitbox 2 and you have a node and they're not talking to each other mm-hmm. now's the time to do it like yeah, uh, it's essential sure. and once you've done that does that mean like you were saying before, like your financial history up until that point was dependent on another node. Is that a node that's run by Bitbox by Shift Crypto?
1: Yeah, so um, we run our own uh, nodes. Um, of course, we we don't record, we don't track data users. Uh, but the point is, um, uh, we want to make it so you don't have to trust our word, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's why we give you the option to connect to your own node.
0: And the worry uh, and so, is maybe if there was like some kind of governmental overreach that, you know, they kick down the door and say, right, we need all of your transactions. Yeah. Then the gig is up uh, that they'll be able to start tracing all of those addresses back and finding who owns what.
1: Yeah. Um, like that. So of course there's when you, when the app makes a request, to the node, there's no tracking information. It's just addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, if you have addresses, um, uh, there's a lot of in-depth uh, chain analysis. It's a company called Chain Analysis, but people uh, basically applying statistical um, and um, uh, statistical analysis to the blockchain in order to link uh, different addresses together. Um, that Okay, these coins went from here to here to here to kind of track your possession. And then of course, if you have an exchange, uh, an account on an exchange, your KYC there, Uh, So the exchange knows all of your personal information. Um, And then it's pretty easy to um, identify an address with the person.
0: Yeah. What's your thoughts on the the chain analysis space? Um,
1: I mean, it's inevitable, right, that uh, there's going to be a market, a government market uh, for connecting funds to people. Uh, that's inevitable. Um, but the thing is with, um, uh, Bitcoin, um, and other cryptocurrencies, uh, there can be ways, uh, to kind of make it a lot harder. Uh, and so to add privacy into the protocol, and I know the the core developers are quite interested in that. Um, you know, it, it's different. You know, it takes a long time to change the Bitcoin uh, core protocol, um, but I think slowly um, uh, things are kind of moving in that way with Taproot. Uh, for example, one small step uh, coming up now, uh, and there's other ways um, on top of that. And um, yeah, a lot of people are interested in okay, what algorithms are uh, chain analysis companies using, and is there a way to uh, kind of make. Make those algorithms not work anymore. Um, Pay join or coin join, um, things
0: mm-hmm. like that. All right. Two rabbit holes to go down after that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> one, can you explain Taproot to a 10 year old? Uh, I'll, I'll be your surrogate 10 year old. Oh, no. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I don't think I can. <laughs> I'm going to pass that one.
0: <laughs> How do you explain it to uh, an adult then?
1: Ah, let's see. Um, yeah, so taproot uh, and Schnorr signatures also um, come in, um, and the the main, uh, I guess the one of the main things there is to make um, addresses uh, look more similar. Each other. Um, that's one thing. This is where kind of the more on the privacy side. Uh, and so, for example, if you um, want to use Lightning, you need to make uh, what's called a two of two multisig. So, this is a very specific uh, fingerprint. You can see it in, in the blockchain data, um, the structure of the, the transaction, which is seen in the blockchain data. Uh, you can tell, uh, okay, this is very likely a lightning transaction. because not so many other use cases for two of two. Um, there's the multi-sig um, addresses. So like a two of three uh, kind of a setup where some people think multi-sig gives you a bit more added uh, security and uh, redundancy. And so you basically need two out of three addresses in order to send funds. And then this will also have a different fingerprint in the blockchain. And uh, Taproot will allow uh, these transactions to kind of compress together into what looks like uh, uh, the same address. And so you can't distinguish uh, if it was a lightning transaction or a multi-sig transaction. Um, yeah, and so kind of the push there is to reduce, um, again, from the fr- privacy perspective, to reduce the number of different types of fingerprints um, that are observable on the blockchain. And of course, that will reduce um, 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 that will reduce the ability of chain analysis codes to track uh, or to, I guess, put chains of uh, possession between addresses. Um, and then, of course, there, there's more to it than that, where you can have uh, a lot more complicated. Types of logic when you send transactions. For example, you can have uh, multiple logics in the same transaction um, where, um, trying try to think of an example where, okay, you have this certain spend conditions, like say two or three multisig, and then you can send coins. Or you could have um, like a, a time delay, a time lock, uh, where, you know, if this doesn't happen by this point in time, then the single address can uh, spend the coins. And you can make uh, quite complicated um, um, business logic, you could call it. Um, and all of these will compress down into um, an address um, that uh, is also indistinguishable from, say, Lightning or, or a normal multi Um it, It's kind of, I, I guess, you can keep going, but I think that's yeah. probably a good story.
0: It's funny, isn't it, the, uh, the incentives, uh, the game theoretical uh, side of Bitcoin. You know, we, we have these chain analysis, deep chain analysis companies come out that are going to try and uh, win, you know, build a business and, and win government contracts to, you know, do deep dives into the blockchain and, you know, sell data and, you know, whatever. But all that's doing is pushing the people that are already here and in this space to build better privacy tools to strengthen the Bitcoin blockchain and to strengthen people's position that are already on it. Yes. So kind of <laughs> if the chain analysis guys weren't there, that this this would maybe it would still be happening. Maybe people would still see the need for it, but it, it wouldn't be as pertinent. It wouldn't be moving as quickly as it is. I mean, and still it, it, it it's still slow and deliberate, but it's being done yeah. and it's being done properly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Do you get requests for CoinJoin technology um, at, uh, for for your wallets? E,
1: yeah, we get requests for CoinJoin on occasion. Yeah. What's um, the
0: thinking? What's your thinking behind CoinJoin? Just generally, and whether or not in the future you you might incorporate it.
1: Yeah, I would say we haven't. Um, yeah, that could be another... <laughs> a whole podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> um, another article,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, another yeah. article.
1: Uh, we haven't done in... Uh, not all of us on the team, or I guess as a company, we haven't done uh, in-depth research into CoinJoin. Mm-hmm. Um, like before we... In general, before mm-hmm. we um, uh, add features or, or, or do stuff, we like to research it in-depth. Um, an example of this is uh, Multisig, where... Um, before adding multi-sig into the Bitbox 2, we just checked out what's done in the industry and tried to verify um, the security claims, and we found that actually everyone was doing multi-sig wrong in an insecure way. Um, and so we have a we have another blog article on that uh, on our website, um, and so we offered a way to do it more securely, which is um, uh, I think be in the progress of being formed into a bit, um, and and then we added. In multi-sig. Um, and so with CoinJoin or things like that, we'll probably go through that same process. It's not a, uh, not a quick, uh, not a quick thing. Of course, we want to look at it deeply. Um, so I, I don't have anything to say specifically about CoinJoin, like technically at, at this point in time, uh, but conceptually, of course, it's it's great. Um, and um, I guess one thing given me. Speaking personally, giving me a little bit of pause right now is that uh, if we're targeting uh, like the non technical people to come into the space. Um, right now, if you run your coins through CoinJoin, it's possible to get those coins blacklisted on different exchanges around the world. Um, yeah, and then I guess maybe there's some questions if um, coin join really does. Um, uh, defeat. Chain analysis, also, uh, and so yeah, those are some things we'd like to look into a bit more detail before we offer it to people.
0: Cool, and you you mentioned there um, a bip a multisig bip. Do you want to explain to people what a, a bip is if they're they're scratching their heads at this point?
1: Yeah, <laughs> bit, bip stands for Bitcoin Improvement Protocol, uh, and so there's a whole series of bips that exist. Multisig is a bip, for example. Um, how to or create addresses on um, a wallet is a BIP uh, and so there's all these um, uh, standards that exist in the field and so um, basically uh, us and some others are interested in um, making a BIP to uh, improve um, uh, how Multisig is done.
0: So what's that process for those of us that sit more on the fringes and just watch number go up, and yeah, you know, <laughs> sing, pump it up, and whatever else, and, and don't give too much thought to the developers and what's going on behind the scenes at the uh, at the kind of core. Um, how do you submit this bip? What's like you you have this idea? I think this would be great for Bitcoin. You get together with a bunch of other people that share your same ideas. Then you put together a proposal, and then that goes where into the magic uh like that, that that's where i think for a lot of people the, this idea of yes bitcoin is distributed decentralized but still there's got to be somebody looking after the you know the the, the protocol and uh, improving it um like who who's overseeing that and a lot of it's still a huge leap for some people to make especially yeah. coming to the space for the first time and it's it's a real paradigm shift
1: Yeah, so um, uh, yeah, this could be a whole nother podcast also. (laughs) Um, So um, I can't can't talk about the technical details so much because I haven't done it personally myself, Um, but BIPs, yeah, some of them end up in the the Bitcoin Core uh, library, but a lot of them don't. A lot of them are just, uh, I would say more so kind of a list of industry best practices. Uh, And so um, anyone's free to use them or not use them. Uh, And so a lot of them aren't being used. Um, A lot of them are being used. Uh, And so it also comes to be kind of an industry standard of what uh, then gets adopted also. So it's still, I guess, a bit, it's still decentralized in that sense. And then um, the process itself, uh, I can't say specifically. But yeah, you get a couple of people together. Talk about it a lot. Uh, You make a proposal. um, uh, Not not sure where it goes, some some mailing lists um, most likely. um, And then get some discussion, some preliminary discussion. um, And then you submit um, um, the proposal, uh, a proposal for a BIP um, for community feedback. And that process is all through, I believe a GitHub page. Uh, where you can see all of the existing bips and you can see uh, new bips and a public conversation about um, uh, yeah, how, to, um, yeah, how to improve them. And so uh, it's, it's really great process in the sense that uh, it is very distributed, very open to anyone to, to comment. Um, and there's a lot of people, um, uh, it's quite wide network of people involved in trying to improve the ecosystem. Uh, and so that's that's always nice to see the shared collaborative uh, work
0: right so i think that the main point for people to understand is like there's there's not this holy grail of uh consortium that's like you have to submit it it's not like the, the legacy financial world or wherever where you submit proposal to a governing body sort of thing that's not happening in bitcoin no. that goes on the github that goes on other forums or mailing lists or whatever else and just starts um circulating around those that are interested in it and anybody can look at the whole discussion and i, I believe can be quite heated over some topics
1: yes exactly yeah. some
0: of it can even, it always it spills over into twitter as well right
1: um
0: <laughs> as These... as
1: most things in life
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Of course there were, there were lots of heated discussion over you know in the past segwit and and, and taproot but um yeah. all right well good luck with your uh, with your proposal <laughs> thanks <laughs> is there anything else that we've not touched on today um actually yes we should end it on this because uh you're very fair in the article and um you know you kind of conclude it uh but you still you say air gap can be useful and there are a number of, you know, different things that it can be useful for. Uh, I think we've been over most of them. QR codes, uh, mix and match with hardware wallets, iPhones. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, we mentioned that one. Yeah, um, you 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 mentioned a uh, seed signer inspector DIY uh, for uh, the kind of work that they're doing specifically with with QR codes, which very mm. uh, very helpful indeed. Um, yeah, I think we've covered everything that I've got uh, noted down here, and I don't think we would have triggered too many people, <laughs> I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, not, not so much. Um, yeah, I would say, let's see, um, I would say, yeah, you had asked uh, uh, about some feedback before, so maybe <laughs> I could just say a couple things. Um, and some of this we, we already addressed, but of course, one of the first feedback is about Uh, Bias. So, of course, uh, a non-airgap hardware wallet manufacturer is going to talk bad about airgap. But, like I said, we we tried to have a conversation. We could have made the Bitbox O2 airgap, but we didn't. And so, we wanted to put out our reasoning to see, you know, if if there's some logical fallacy in in there. Uh, And so, um, yeah, I I mean, probably inevitably, there's going to be some bias. Maybe the way we write. describe certain things in the article uh, could be biased uh, but we also appreciate feedback on that and if we if we do see something we'll, we'll make a change um, and yeah I think uh, as far as feedback from the other hardware wallet manufacturers Trezor and Ledger seem to uh, like our article <laughs> of course they're uh, USB based hardware wallets also um, some of the air gap ones uh, not as much um, but again I want to say that uh, we're not saying, we're not saying air gap is bad. Uh, that's not what we're saying at all. Uh, and so I think in general, having a lot of different, uh, companies trying different, uh, things is good for the field in general. And so, um, yeah, maybe, maybe air gap, uh, can, can be, you know, a great solution for hardware waltz for, for certain people, for, for certain applications, maybe there's a way to do it really great. Um, and so we're we're not we're not opposed to that at all. Um, and so I think yeah we we tried to make the article um, yeah open um, try not to try to be logical uh, when we wrote it. Um, and and yeah we we're, we're yeah we're happy for feedback. I would say um, one thing not in the article yet, but we probably will act uh, some feedback that we did get is. Uh, um the idea of um whether or not the hard uh, kind of looking at a different point of view whether or not the hard wallet itself is malicious rather than um uh, the communication Uh, and so what this means is um uh like if the hardware wallet itself is malicious and it tries to attack your computer um, by like stealing data or uh you need to install some kind of malicious app or or whatever like that? Um, we had actually thought about that before writing the article, but we didn't uh, consider it to be uh, relevant because we we thought, oh well, if the hardware wall itself is malicious, that that's also you know, an air gap hardware wall. It can be malicious also. You have to uh, trust the manufacturer to to some degree, um, of course, and we try to minimize. Uh, the need to trust us through a variety of different ways, but still there's some some trust involved. Um, But one of the feedback was, okay, now you also have to actually um, trust the uh, supply chain. And so that's no longer trusting the manufacturer, but trusting the supply chain to make sure that someone didn't tamper with device uh, in passing. And so, yeah, USB, um, uh, you can find a lot of articles for like uh, bad USB sticks where basically you can plug it into your computer and then um, the USB can maybe encrypt files or um, steal some data or run run some commands, things like that. Um, and so one, uh, so uh, just, just for fairness, I thought it'd be important to, to mention that. Um, how we get around or how we uh, try to mitigate that is uh, through uh, an attestation key on, our device itself, such that when you plug in a Bitbox hardware wallet, um, there's an attestation key inside. What that basically means is um, it's a secret key inside, and uh, the app then itself will test if the uh, the device you plugged in is authentic or not. Uh, and so, counterfeit devices would not pass that um, authenticity check. But yeah, thought, I thought I'd add that, um, and. Yeah, and what else? Um, yeah, I guess we could, could end with that.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, if anybody does have any feedback, who's the person best to reach out to? Uh, you directly or somebody else in the team who wrote the article? What, where, where should people come and find you?
1: Yeah, so um, if people come to our website, shiftcrypto.ch, the company name is Shift Crypto. Um, if you scroll down to the bottom, you can find a variety of ways of contacting us. Uh, and so email support at uh, shiftcrypto.ch. Uh, we also have a very active Telegram channel um, we participate there. Um, and Twitter, of course, you can, you can send me a tweet or you can send our company a tweet. Yeah, and again, happy to receive more feedback.
0: And do you have big plans for 2022 or is it just uh, full steam ahead with, with the product you've got?
1: Um, yeah, our focus right now is uh, trying to make the product we have the best uh, possible. Uh, and so we think we've done a good job so far, but of course, there's always, always things to improve, always uh, ways to make it easier, make it more powerful. Um, and so, uh, we're still quite focused on the the bit box or two, because we think, uh, in the market itself, it's, uh, it's a good hardware (laughs) wallet. So here we we think it's superior to others. So there's some bias uh, I'll throw in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Well, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, I think it's uh, a great piece of kit. Thank you for all of the work that you've done and the, the support of the show. Uh, I know um, John and Guy as well are very happy and uh, you, you, you're kind enough to support those guys as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely getting around. People are aware of it. Uh, I've had good feedback from the people that have uh, you know, purchased one on the back of listening to the show or my, um, my advice uh, you know, when asking which, which wallets, um, do, do I recommend? And it definitely, um, you know, it covers a lot of bases. Uh, I've, I've had noobs tell me great stuff about it and, uh, even more, the more advanced. So keep going, man. We need, uh, we need this. We need this, right? That this technology <laughs> has Bitcoiners. So it's, uh, it's great to have you as one of us. Uh, I can't forget the last question. If you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why?
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> ah.
0: And I don't remember your answer from last time. <laughs> I just, it's escaped me.
1: I don't remember either. No. Uh, hmm. One orange pillow. Who would I give it to? Hmm. Yeah, I probably said something. Probably probably uh, tried to avoid the answer. <laughs> I'm thinking one thing that pops into my head is maybe... Okay, there's one orange pill left in the world, then you need to put it in a museum so everyone can come and see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I guess, you know, the answer people probably look at is, okay, who's the most influential uh, person out there to give it to that person? Um, but I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know, influential people change every year, every month. Um, and yeah, if you if you try to make a hero out of someone uh you know no one's perfect everyone's human eventually yeah you'll see flaws too uh and so i think you know it's more concepts are i think what are what are the powerful things and so putting it up in a display in some some famous museum i think makes sense
0: love it first time ever anyone's answered that so it's uh, a unique a unique answer <laughs> all right douglas well thanks for uh giving up the time it's been great hanging out with you and going down these rabbit holes uh i hope everybody has a better understanding now of uh, one what a hardware wallet is doing for them and how it helps them and if they have not got one yet please go out and just get one because this is key to your security and, and douglas will say the exact same thing doesn't matter which one like do your own research just get yeah. one
1: yeah and i would say um yeah, and uh, I'm not sure how well we did of explaining the whole air gap issue, um, but definitely if you're interested, check out our our blog post. I think it's written clearly, and uh, check out our blog in general because we have uh, I think a lot of interesting articles there on different aspects of security in space.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on, mate, and uh, have a great a um, yeah have a great end of the year, and I look forward to catching up next year and, and doing another show on whatever article you awesome. guys decide to drop next.
1: awesome yeah it was great to be here thanks a lot see you bye-bye
0: hey guys thank you so much for tuning in and thank you douglas as always for coming on the show and uh, and doing this one you know uh, discussing what you guys had found um it's important we have these discussions and these reviews and these open kind of uh, deep dives into the technologies that are coming out because we want them to work perfectly and we want them to be a- as robust as possible and as user-friendly as possible as we keep building into this incredible technology, uh, this number go up technology, savings technology, choose whatever description you will. Uh, we-, we've, we We're just lucky to have people out there multiple companies out there you know fighting the good fight pushing each other to be better questioning each other uh, in professional ways you know it doesn't have to be mudslinging at all and um i think this is a definitely uh a valid conversation to have and, uh, and hopefully a lot of people have got a lot of knowledge out of this show anyway thank you so much for listening everybody thanks for tuning in thanks for um You know all the banter on the Twitter and whatever else, and the the subscribing, reviewing, rating, whatever it is that you do to support. Uh, Please show some support to the show sponsors. That's swanbitcoin.com in the US. Forward slash Bitten across Europe. Relay.ch forward slash Bitten and Coincorner.com. Hit the link in the show notes. If you want to get across to the conference, use Bitten at checkout for a 10% discount. Catch you on the next show, guys.